I'm Marcy, and from all of us here at Thrive, welcome to another online edition of Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, please text NEW to the number on your screen. We want to get to know you, and we have a very special gift. Parents with kids, we survived another week. Give yourself a round of applause. Yeah! Thrive Church has prepared a very special activity pack for your kids. Be sure to visit mythrive.info slash online and download it now. All right, do we have a proactive church in this place? Why don't you let me know by typing ready in the chat room. Ready? 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 I see that. Awesome. All right. Take it away, Pastor JV. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so great to have you here. Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here. And we want to welcome every single one of you who's watching online with us today. So glad you came to join us on this awesome Sunday morning to worship God together. Here at Thrive, we have a saying, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so if you are sitting beside someone watching this service, if you have someone that you know or maybe don't even know, but you are online and you're in a chat room, would you just welcome one of them right now? Give them an air high five or a virtual high five and just say, it's so great to have you here. So great to see you. It's so great to be in church with you this morning. It's so good to have you here. Just do that together. Let's greet one another. On top of that, if this is your first time here, you are what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP, our VIP. And so we want to especially welcome you. And what we want to do is, is we have actually a special gift to give to you. It's nothing too spiritual, nothing too mystical. It's just simply a Thrive Church water bottle that we want to send right to your door. And so if you're new to Thrive, we would love to get to know you more. If you could text to uh, 604-285-5770, that's our phone number. If you could text the word NEW, N-E-W, to let us know, and we would love to connect you with a special gift just for you, just to say thank you so much for joining us here this morning. What an amazing morning it is to be together. What an amazing week it has been with all the changes that have happened in our city. But we believe that with God, all things are possible, and the best is yet to come. And so with that in mind, we're so glad to have you here this morning with us. Could you guys use some good news this morning? Get some, some good news. I know, you know, sometimes when you look at the news these days, you're expecting, okay, what, what's, the, what's the count now? And what, what other bad news is out there? Let me share some good news with you today. Just a few days ago, we had uh, Michael and Sally, two very special members of our Thrive community, who gave birth to their very own baby girl. Her name is Haley. So a big congratulations to Michael and Sally and a big happy birthday to Haley. Look at that. Doesn't she look gorgeous? Fantastic. That's amazing. That's amazing. Good looks running that family and it's so good to welcome her into the world. Amazing stuff. Another thing that we want to let you know is on Easter Sunday, everyone say Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, April the 12th, we've got something very, very great going on. It's our first and second Easter celebration services. We're going to have one at 9.30 and 11.30. It's going to be an amazing time to celebrate Easter together. We call this Easter service Hope for Hard Times. And if you're here and you're stressed, if you find that hope is something that you lack these days, 
then you don't want to miss our service this coming Easter Sunday, April the 12th. Encouraged to invite your friends, your family members, especially those who don't have a church, who aren't used to going to church. Would you invite them to come and check out the service that I believe is going to be a really powerful experience for them? And on that, in fact, on that day, we're going to be starting a brand new series talking about hope for hard times. And so we want to encourage you to mark your calendars down for that. Make sure you join us for that. Make sure you invite your friends to that as well. Can't wait to celebrate Easter. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them either online or beside you, give them a high five or an air high five and say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Easter. Tell them that right now. I'm excited for Easter. Praise God. Well, did you guys bring your Bibles here this morning? If you did, it's time to get those out. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe it's a device you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. I'm going to ask you right now just to hold up in your like so. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's all right. But we're going to do this together right now. We're just going to make this proclamation together. It's just a fun way to get our hearts ready for the message this morning. Would you say this out loud with me in a big, loud voice? It's on the screen so you can just follow along. We're going to say this together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's work can come in and change my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you please flip to, scroll to, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. If you're wondering where the book of Matthew is, it's in the second half of your Bible called your New Testament. Matthew is the first book in your New Testament. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14 together this morning as you're flipping, scrolling to Matthew chapter 14. Maybe you're here and it, with all that's going on in the world today, with COVID-19 and all the changes that have happened as a result, maybe you're here and there's a question in your mind, which is how can a loving God allow COVID-19 to happen in our world? And see, if you're wondering that question, the fact is that over a few weeks ago, we did a series here at Thrive. It's called, and by many people, one of the best series we've ever done here at Thrive Church. It's called Overcome My Unbelief. And if you have questions like, God, how could you allow the COVID-19 virus to wreak havoc in this world? Why is there suffering as a result of COVID-19? Then can I encourage you to take a look at one of the messages in our series called Overcome My Unbelief, on February the 9th, we did a series, or we did an episode of that series called How Can a Loving God Allow Evil and Suffering? And see, the fact is that if you have that question in your mind, let me just say it to you right now, is that we believe that God is a good God. He doesn't allow COVID-19 because he's cruel or he doesn't care or he's not there or he's just wanting to punish people. But God is a God who does things that are beyond our possible imagination and comprehension. He's a God who's greater in all of his ways than we are. And our job is not to figure out everything, but our, our job is to do the best we can with what we have and trust that with what is out of our hands, God is writing a greater story than anything we could write ourselves. If you believe that, say Amen. And if you want help in that question, how could God allow COVID-19, then I think you're going to find that message called, How Can a Loving God Allow Evil and Suffering on February the 9th to be a very helpful thing for you. And so I encourage you to check out that series. If you're exploring a faith today, if you're not a Christian, you're just here to check things out, a big warm welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here, and we hope you'll check out that series called Overcome My Unbelief. You know, it's been a crazy week, 
and you may find that over the past few days even that you've just been bombarded with bombarded with just new information about different changes that are happening in our city in our country around the world different news that causes us to maybe get worried or get a little bit anxious you're you know because of all the different changes a lot of us were taken out of our normal routines life is not the same maybe you're here and you feel like your resources are really stretched right now maybe whether financially or energy wise maybe you're a parent and you're just trying to figure out oh my goodness school is out indefinitely what am I going to do about my kids where am I going to find a babysitter all that stuff and, and with all the social distance and stuff it makes it all that much harder you know it's almost like you look on the news or you watch it on your phone and it's just there's like information overload so many changes life is not normal right now and it can be a challenge not to feel overwhelmed have you felt overwhelmed this past week have you wanted to scream this past week You're like, ah! So just like kind of whether outside or internally, you're like, oh my goodness, so much stuff that's going on right now. You know, the past week, because of all the stuff that's been going on, I've been thinking a lot about managing stress. Because how many of you guys know that in this COVID-19 crisis, it's not simply about guarding your physical health. Even more, it's also about guarding your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health. And that's what we want to talk about today. See, this past week, I was reviewing some of the things that our governments have been putting out about how to manage stress and anxiety. I thank God that we have governments that actually give thought to that and actually try to give us resources that help us when it comes to managing stress. And so I was looking at some of the, the websites that the government of BC has come out with and you know, City of Vancouver and, and you know, federally as well. And, and they've given different tips, which some I find quite helpful. For example, take long deep slow breaths do you do that is that a habit for you when you're stressed they find they say that taking long deep slow breaths can be helpful can we try that together right now can we do that we're gonna inhale we're gonna inhale and exhale ready quick ready to go so we're gonna inhale exhale try it one more time inhale exhale one last time we inhale exhale all right okay are you less stressed now I hope you are. Maybe you're more stressed. I'm not sure. But see, taking long, deep breaths apparently is a helpful thing uh, to help us relieve the stress. Another one they talked about is getting enough sleep. So thankful for my wife, Charlene, who has been really gracious to me when our kids, who are super young, are still waking up at 5 a.m., sometimes 4 a.m. 4 in the morning. Uh, she will let me sleep in more days than not, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, so getting enough sleep is really important. Another one is exercising, you know, exercising regularly to release tension in your body, improve your mo mood emotionally, boosting your confidence. Hopefully you're doing some of that. Eating regular meals, you know, getting enough protein, you know, you know, all, you know stabilizing your blood sugar levels, avoiding too much caffeine or alcohol or other substances. And, 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 and there's, there's one more tip that they give is, you know, if, if none of these things is working for you, if you're still having trouble with your mental health, your emotional health, then contact your healthcare provider. So these are a lot of these tips that I've been looking at from government websites, and all, all these are, I think, helpful tips, for sure. But today, what I want to do is I want to share with you another side to managing stress that you're not going to hear enough about. You're not going to hear as often about it all. Today, I want to talk about managing stress Jesus' way. See, when you study the life of Jesus Christ, when you study the Gospels, you're going to find that not only did Jesus experience more stress than anyone of us has ever experienced or any one of us is ever going to experience, not only did Jesus experience a tremendous amount of stress in his life, but Jesus also managed that stress in incredibly effective ways. And in fact, I really believe this, is that Jesus' method of managing stress is what made him, at least one of the big reasons that made him the most effective leader who ever lived. And it goes to show that your effectiveness in life, your effectiveness as a parent, 
Your effectiveness as a husband or wife, your effectiveness in work, your effectiveness in school, your effectiveness living life is hugely dependent on how you manage stress. If you believe that, say amen. And see, we got to learn to manage stress. I'm going to put it to you this way. Your effectiveness depends on how well you manage stress. Are you good at managing stress? How effective are you when it comes to stress management? If, you know, if I were to talk to the people who live with you, you know, what would those who live with you say about how effectively you manage your stress? See, we all go through stressful times, especially like a time as this. We all are in many ways stressed, and how do you deal with it is so very important. That's what we want to talk about today. See, in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to learn how Jesus managed stress. And so I'm going to encourage you right now to read in a big, loud voice, Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 13, to give you some background on this. Jesus has just received some distressing news. Just as we've all received some, you know, somewhat distressing news throughout the past few weeks, Jesus, in this context, he's just received some distressing news. He's just heard that his cousin and his best friend, whom he grew up with, called John, has just been killed. He's been beheaded, in fact. And John, he was also a public minister. He was called John the Baptist. And Jesus gets wind of this news. And it is a stressful, intense time for Jesus. And so what does Jesus do to manage his stress? We're going to look at that right now. Look at verse 13 with me. and Help me read verses 13 to verse 23 in a big, loud voice. One, two, three, big, loud voice. Let's say it together right now. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. See, what's going on here? One of the most famous stories you'll hear in the Bible. In fact, you might have never read the Bible before, but you've heard this story of Jesus feeding 5,000. The fact is it was more than 5,000. The Bible says that it was 5,000 men besides women and children. And so scholars say that it could have been as many as maybe 10, 15, even 20,000 people together in that one event experiencing Jesus doing the incredible miracle of taking five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding all of them in that single meal. And if you're wondering, oh God, and you're like, JB, I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus could do such a miracle. The fact is this. What's the greatest miracle that's ever talked about in the Bible? What is it? It's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we looked at in our series called Overcome My Unbelief that there is really good scientific evidence to believe that God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning with something called the Big Bang. 
And so if you can believe with good rational reasons that God made something out of nothing and created the universe, if you could believe that God accomplished the most incredible miracle of all, then it's not irrational to also believe that God could suspend the laws of nature to create some kind of miracle like what we, he, what we read about in Matthew 14, which is Jesus feeding the 5,000. But see, the reason why we're t- looking at this passage today is not something to focus on the miracle. Today, we want to focus on the way that Jesus managed his stress. And in a very stressful time of Jesus' life, you're going to notice that Jesus did a number of things. You know, he delegated responsibility. He didn't just try to do everything himself, but he involved other people. He delegated his authority and he gave responsibility to others so that his own plate was not too full, that's a stress management strategy. Another thing he did was, unlike his disciples, who were so focused on what they didn't have and had this attitude of complaining, Jesus, on the other hand, focused on what he did have, and he gave thanks for it. He chose an attitude of gratitude. That's a stress management strategy as well. You can find, you're going to find this, that when you choose an attitude of gratitude in life, it keeps you from what I call emotionally hyperventilating. You know what hyperventilating is? It's when you're, you're, you're short of breath and you <laughs> And often they say that when people who are panicking and they're hyperventilating, what they're thinking about is they're thinking about their symptoms and how, oh, I'm, I'm getting worse and worse. And they keep focusing on their symptoms and, and it gets worse and worse for them. They, they, hyperventilate, they hyperventilate even more. It's this vicious cycle. I find that even if you don't physically hyperventilate, a lot of us, we emotionally hyperventilate, is that we look at our symptoms, we look at our situation, and, it just, and, and we just start to feel worse and worse and worse about our life, and we start to what, do what I, what I call emotional hyperventilating. If you want to avoid emotional hyperventilating, one of the best things you can do is choose an attitude of gratitude and be thankful for the things that you do have instead of complaining of what you don't have. If you believe that, say amen. That's why over the past number of weeks, we've been talking a lot about choosing an attitude of gratitude. Would you turn to your neighbor, either online or beside you, give him an air high five and say, choose an attitude of gratitude. Choose an attitude of gratitude. But see, today, what I want to focus on are three other things that Jesus did to manage his stress. I call them three habits that help you reduce and manage stress. Now, these are not all the things you're going to find in the Bible of how Jesus managed stress. In fact, we could do an entire series on Jesus' stress management secrets. But these are three of the most important that he did here. And you'll find that he did it elsewhere as well. Let's get into it right now. If you want to manage stress in your life right now, if things are stressful, things are frustrating, things are overwhelming right now, then I hope you take some good notes. And I hope you take to heart the things we're going to talk about today. These are three habits that will help you reduce stress in this season of life. Number one, get a alone with God. Get alone with God. See, this was a habit that Jesus had, is that whenever he was stressed, whenever things got intense, he had the habit of going to places by himself to spend time with his heavenly father. He would get alone with God. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Read it with me, a big loud voice. One, two, three. It says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. See, what are we saying? What do we see here? Is that Jesus is practicing some self-isolation. He is practicing some social distancing. And it's not because he's trying to get away from a physical virus that's going to affect his physical health. He is social distancing himself. He's isolating himself 
as a stress management strategy, is that he realized, you know, I need some time alone with my heavenly father. And so that's why in Luke chapter 5, it talks about how Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. It was his stress management strategy. And, and my question for you is, is that do you have that habit of when you get stressed, when you feel the pressure, do you have the habit of going to God and going alone to be with God? Or is being with God only a communal thing? You only do it when other people are doing it with you. I want to encourage you today, one of the most important habits that you can develop in your lifetime today, in this season to get through, is to have the habit of getting alone with God. Is that, you know, after Jesus would spend time alone with his heavenly father, he would feel refreshed, he'd feel energized, he'd feel ready to tackle whatever was in front of him. His tank emotionally and spiritually would be full so that he would have something to give to the people around him. There would be peace and joy in his heart again. There was perspective in his mind once again. That's the power of getting alone with God. And you know, we've been talking a lot about that these past few weeks, is that you need to be proactive about drawing near to God in this new season, not just with your church, but alone as well. And, you know, in especially in a time where we're social distancing, where everyone is encouraged to stay home, maybe you're living with others and you just find it really challenging to be alone with God in this time because you've got maybe young kids who want your attention. There's a small space that you, only, that you have. And, and I want to encourage you, don't let that stop you. Don't let the fact that you're all in one place, don't let that be an excuse to not draw near to God. Don't let that be a reason why you don't get alone with God. In fact, I want to encourage you. I want you, if, if you're married and you've got young kids, I want to encourage you to work something out with your spouse to say, hey, honey, can, can, can you give me 20 minutes or like just even 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes for me to just, I'll, I'll go lock myself in a bathroom somewhere or I'll sit in the car. Let me just be alone with God for a minute because I, I love you. I love you to death. I love being with you every single waking moment, even though we're not used to doing this because I usually go to work. But I, I love you to death, and I love our kids. But can you give me 15, 20 minutes on my own? And, and you can even say it this way. If I can have my alone time with God, I guarantee you, my alone time with you will be so much better. You can tell them that, right? And, and, and this is the thing. is I'm sure your wife, your husband, your family, they will totally understand. And you just work that out. You find a way to have alone time with God because that's what we need if we want to relieve stress. And see, you might be, well, but JB, I'm not even sure how to have alone time with God. I'm not really sure what to do. If that's you, then let me speak to you right now. Is that if you have trouble with your time with God. Maybe you've never tried having an alone time with God. Or maybe you've tried and you kind of feel like you're hitting a wall. You're not really sure what to do. You're not really sure what to feel. And maybe you're in that mode right now where you're trying to read your Bible every day and you're even maybe doing what we call our game time. If you know what the game stands for, say it with me. The game stands for the God and me experience time. It's where we here at Thrive Church will we'll all read a Bible passage together in our game booklet. We might journal about it. We'll pray together. I'll even send you an email that says this is what I'm learning in my game time. Maybe you're doing that, but you're still hitting a wall. You're like, I, I, like, it feels like homework to me. If that's you, then let me speak to you right now. Is that we've got a special gift that we want to give to you? Is that we have a class that we do that's part of Thrive Discipleship School. It's one of the most important classes that we do. It's called How to Have a Daily Time with God. And what we want to do is we want to make that class available to all of you for free. So that it's a class that takes about one hour, and in that one hour, I share with you some really personal and really practical tips that I try to keep in mind whenever I have my time with God, and hoping that it'll help you as well to make the most out of your time with God. So it doesn't feel like homework, so that, but it feels like you are entering into an intimate relationship with God by spending time getting alone with Him. Amen? 
And so if that's something you're going to find helpful, can I encourage you? Go to www.mythrive.info, and there you're going to see a link to that class. It's a one-hour class. You can watch it. You can listen to it. There's even a student handout for you to fill in the blanks so you can record what you're learning. And we've had so many people take that class and find it helpful for their relationship with God. If you've never taken that class before, it's been a while since you've taken that class, you need a refresher. Can I encourage you to take that class, How to Have a Daily Time with God. There we give you different tips on how to make the most your time with God. But I'm going to go through those tips right now, but let me share with you two exercises that I've been doing recently during my time with God that have helped me to reduce stress and to manage my stress as well. And hopefully you find this helpful too. The first exercise is what I call first things first. Everyone say first things first. First things first. What does that mean? First things first means start your day by drawing near to God even for a moment. Is that when you wake up, let the first thing that you do be to draw near to God. Even if it's for just a few seconds. Even if it's for just half a minute. Even when the baby is crying. Even when the toast is burning downstairs because your, your spouse is having trouble in the kitchen. Regardless of the situation, is that the first thing you do is when you wake up, you do first things first. You start the day by drawing near to God. I've been trying that a lot these days. Is that when I wake up, before I check the news on my phone, before I answer that call, before I reply to that text, before I check my email, what I'll do is actually I'll go to my game sharing email that I'll send to all of you guys and I'll read that myself as if Pastor JB is writing to me and I I will read that and why do I do that? It's a way to manage my stress. It's me saying to God and it's me saying to myself, first things first because before I hear from anyone else, I need to hear from you, God. Amen is that before I hear what's happening in the news, before I read about who wants to get in contact with me, before I hear about what call I need to answer, the thing, I, the person I need to hear from more than anyone else, first thing first is Jesus. I want to hear from God because it's in God that my peace is. It's in God that my identity is. It's in God that my hope is. If you believe that, say amen. You know, I, I might have, you know, more time with God later on in the day when things have not been so crazy at home. And, you know, I might go in my car and have my own time with God. But I will start, try to start the day, even just for a minute, even just for a couple minutes, to just start first things first. Before I look at anything else, I'm going to look at God's word. And when I, when I do that, I find it keeps me grounded. It keeps me centered. It keeps me ready to face the rest of the day. When I don't do that first, you know how I feel? I feel naked. I feel like I'm not really sure how to face the day. I feel like I'm kind of bouncing from, you know, one thing to another with like a, like a chicken with his head cut off. I'm, I'm just trying to respond and react to all these different things that are going on, news, people wanting to meet, people wanting to talk, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And, and it's, it's, it's this, is that when I do first things first, instead of waking up and binging on the news and going through all the news and, and, going, and getting more and more depressed about what I'm seeing, instead I start with the good news of God's word. I start with that. I hear from God first, first things first, and it helps me to manage my stress. If you believe that, say amen. Encourage you to do first things first. Turn to your neighbor on, online or beside you. Give him an air high five and say, let's do first things first. Do first things first. That's one exercise. A second exercise I've been doing lately in my time with God as well, and this really just kind of came up organically. I call it the self-checkup. What's the self-checkup? See, the self-checkup means slow down and take inventory of where you are at in four areas. And those four areas are physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. 
And so in other words, what I'll do is sometime when I'm spending time with God, I might be sitting in the car and praying. I might be, you know, on my bed and I'm just kind of getting ready for the day. Sometimes I'll do the self-check where I'll be on a scale of 1 to 10. How do I feel physically right now? How do I feel emotionally right now? How do I feel mentally right now? How sharp am I mentally? How do I feel spiritually right now? And I'll give myself a score from 1 to 10. I've tried this with our small group leaders in a way before. And, and, and what I do is I'm taking inventory of where I'm at. I'm doing a self-check. And what I find is that when I do that, I'm on my way in the right direction. Is that I realize, okay, I'm being self-aware and I'm more aware of where I'm at and so I'm more aware of what I need to do. What, what, what I'll do is say, I'll say, okay, on, on one particular day, okay, physically I feel like a nine. Uh, you know, emotionally, I feel like a four. You know, phys- like spiritually, I feel like a seven. You know, uh, mentally, I feel like a five. Then I'll, I'll look at that and I'll say, okay, which one is the lowest right now? I know that that area where I'm the lowest, I need to give that some extra attention today. And so maybe it's about taking a nap. Maybe it's about just doing something fun, like, you know, going on a workout or, or, or playing a video game or reading a book or doing, just doing something different. And see, those are just different ways that we can do a self-check to manage our stress as we have our time with God. And so that's the first healthy habit that Jesus demonstrated for us in terms of reducing your stress, managing your stress. It's get alone with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to get alone with God. I need to get alone with God. Encourage you to do that this week, starting this week. Make that your habit to get alone with God. Number two, number two, join a support network of people outside your home. Join a support network of people outside your home. At Thrive, we have that network. It's called a small group. We are a church of small groups. So many small groups for all different ages and you know, different people in different life stages. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. What does it say? It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And see, when you look at that verse, what image comes to mind? What are you picturing? Are you picturing Jesus in a boat by himself, rowing his way across the sea, across the lake to get to the solitary? Is that that what you picture? Is that what you picture? He's got his own oar this way. And, and he's just like, I'm so stressed. I'm really, really stressed. I'm so stressed. I'm really, really stressed. I'm so stressed. I've got to get away from everybody. Is that what you picture? Well, let me tell you, if that's the picture that's in your mind, let me tell you right now, that's the wrong picture. Because it's not just Jesus in his little boat just trying to row himself to shore. You've had, I want you to look at another account of the same event from Mark chapter 6, verse 31 to 32. And Mark goes into more detail about what actually happened. What does it say? Mark, Mark 6, 31 says, Then... Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. See, what's going on? Is that It's not Jesus on his own, but Jesus is with who? His disciples. He is with 12 other close friends of his that he calls his small group. And so it wasn't, I'm so stressed. I'm all alone. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. I'm all by myself. I'm so stressed. And he's just trying to figure out, you know, how to get from one place to another himself. Rather, he had a team. He had a support network. He had a small group. And so I, I want to ask, you know, uh, you know two, two of my really good friends to come up right now. I'm going to ask Sandra and Silas to help me demonstrate this right now. Can you online, while, while you're watching, can you give Sandra and Silas a big hand right now? Can you just do that right now? Yeah, it's awesome to see them here. All right, why don't you just wave the camera, let, let everyone see you, yeah? Yeah, that's great. See your lovely faces. Here, what we're going to do this is, is we're going to be, this is, this is Jesus and his disciples, all right, okay? All right, and, and what we're going to do is we're in the boat together, 
And this is, I think, a picture of what Jesus was doing when he went to a solitary place. He was with his disciples. And so here we go. We're going we're gonna to take our oars. Everyone's got an oar. Unfortunately, I've got the only legit oar. We only had hockey sticks for the rest of them, but we just make do with what we got. And so here we go. So we're going to go ready and reach. All right? So it's ready and reach. Uh, ready and reach. Uh, ready and reach. One more time. Ready and reach. Can you give him a big hand? Can you give him a that's, that, that's fantastic. That's some, that's some star power rowing right there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you so much, Silas. See, so why do I show that to you? It's because when, 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 when it says that Jesus withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, guess what? He wasn't alone. He had a support network with him in a stressful time of his life. It was his disciples. It was his small group. Now, this might sound really obvious, but let me say it to you right now, because I think you need to hear it. It's a lot easier to get through a lake in a boat when you've got other people rowing with you who are in the boat and you're going in the same direction. Amen? It's a lot easier to do that than you in the boat by yourself going, I'm so stressed, I'm really, really stressed, I'm so stressed, I'm really, really stressed. It's so much easier when you've got people in the boat. Likewise, it is so much easier to get through life and to get through stressful circumstances when you've got other people in the boat with you as well. And they're in the boat with you and they're also going in the same direction. Amen. It's so much easier when you've got other people in the boat with you. Jesus didn't try to manage his stress all by himself. He had a support network of friends that he spent time with, that he confided in, who could look to him for support, and he could look to them for support. And guess what? You need that too. You need that as well. Could it be that the biggest mistake that you're making in this unprecedented season of life and in history the biggest reason why you're so frustrated with life right now, the biggest reason why you're so stressed right now, could it be simply because you're trying to do it all by yourself? Could it be simply because you're not allowing others to help you in the season? You're not getting support from anyone else. And so you feel like you're so stressed. You're really, really stressed. I'm all alone. I'm so, so alone. It's like you're just doing everything by yourself. When I'm, I'm here to tell you, God didn't make you to live life that way. God didn't make you to go through this unprecedented time with COVID-19. He did not make you to do this by yourself. And, and you might be in a place right now where you're living at home with someone who's not easy to deal with. Maybe they don't understand where you're coming from. Maybe they don't understand you know, your, your, your personality. Maybe they don't share the same faith, the same values as you. You love them. You love them dearly. But it's like you're all crammed in one house and you're sharing the same air and, and, and you can smell one another all the time and, and there's got to be conflict from time to time. If that's you, can, can you take a hint from Jesus today? You need a support group outside of your home to help you manage your stress. Amen. Jesus had that. And if Jesus needed that, how much more do we need that as well? See, you weren't made to go through the season all by yourself or just with even the people that you live with in your home. You were made to be part of a bigger body called a community, called God's church, that you could go through this season with. And that's why in this season, our staff and our small group leaders, we're doing everything that we can to keep church connected online. And so I want to encourage you is that coming this, com this coming week, whether you check, check Facebook often or not, would you check Facebook this coming week? 
Will you check it multiple times this coming week? Will you check Instagram multiple times this week? And check out our Facebook page, our Instagram account, because you're going to find that we're going to be putting on content that is hopefully going to encourage you, you know, make, put a smile on your face, hopefully, and keep you connected to the church, because you weren't made to go through this season alone. If you believe that, say amen. Turn to your neighbor, give them an air high five, and say you weren't meant to do this alone. You weren't meant to do this alone. See, even more than checking out Facebook and social media, can I encourage you to do this one more thing? Be part of a small group. See, be part of a small group of people that you don't live with necessarily, but they're going in the same direction as you. They're in the same boat as you are. And can I encourage you to do that because that's your way of getting support. That's your way of encouraging one another. That's your way of managing stress together. It's the Jesus way of managing stress. You know, we've told you before in the past, we were all still meeting here on site together for live services, is that if you join us for service on Sundays, but you're not connected to a small group, you know what's going to happen? Is that you're going to feel superficially connected to everybody, but you won't be deeply or closely connected with anybody. And that's a really sad way to do church. It's because you have, you know, worship service, and that's important, that's great, but you don't have any close relationships, and God didn't make you to live that way. And so can I encourage you is that be part of a small group. Praise God that with technology, we're still able to have a small group in amazing ways. Praise God for the internet. Praise God that we're able to go on Zoom and have all these meetings on Zoom. Praise God for Zoom. If you bought stock in Zoom, you're probably a really rich person now. But the fact is this is all of us you know, can do small group together. Just go to mythrive.info and, you know, and you're going to find a place where you can click on small group sign up. And you can be part of a small group if you're not yet. Because can I urge Can I encourage encourage you. Can I urge you? You need a support network to help you through this time. You can't do this on your own. You weren't made to do this on your own. And so tell your neighbor, I need to be in a small group. I need to be in a small group. Praise God. This past Wednesday, we made an attempt at our very first prayer meeting using Zoom. And it was an amazing experience. You know, we, we just announced it, you know, I think the day of, I think the afternoon or the morning of. And we had over 30 people join us online on Zoom. It was so cool to see everyone's faces. It was just such a comfort to see everybody online. And, and for 45 minutes, we sang, we shared, we prayed for our city, we prayed for all of you, we prayed for our nation, we prayed you know, for the world, prayed for one another. And I can guarantee you this, is that every person who left that meeting when they clicked the exit button out of that meeting, they knew, I'm not alone in this. We're in this together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're in this together. We're in this together. And so I encourage you to, if you want to manage your stress in this season, is you need a support network. Number three, we're going to close. There's one more thing that Jesus did that helped him manage his stress in one of the most stressful times of his life. And that is this. Give in a way that's out of the ordinary to help others. Give in a way that's out of the ordinary to help others. You see, you might be, well, JB, you don't understand. I'm constantly giving already. I feel like I've got nothing to give anymore. And in fact, I believe the reason I'm so stressed is because I'm just, I just keep on giving. I'm, I'm helping my kids. I'm changing diapers. It's all about giving. I've got a baby that, an, that I have to answer at all hours of the night. My job every day is helping others. I get that. I get that. Sometimes I feel like I live that as well. But here's the thing. When you do something, what I'm talking about today is when you do something out of the ordinary, 
not just your regular routine, what you're used to, where we can kind of, you know, get into, you know, this funk and this rhythm where, you know, we're, we're just do it and we kind of, kind of forget why we're doing it. I'm talking about doing something that's out of, the nor- out, of the or- out of the ordinary to help someone else. When you do something that's out of the ordinary to help someone else that maybe you don't normally help in a way that you don't normally do, that can actually be a stress reliever. Why? Let me give you three reasons. When you give in a way that is out of the ordinary to help others, it takes the attention off of yourself. And you start to realize it's not all about me. It's not just about me and what I want and my feelings, but there's actually a much bigger world than me. And that actually takes some pressure off. Number two is that when you give in a way that is out of the ordinary to help others, you give yourself a break from your normal routine. Maybe you're just so sick of your, your, your routine. You're always doing the same thing. If you would get out of that bubble, that out of that rhythm, and you do something that's out of the ordinary to help someone else, you're going to find that emotionally, it's like a, ah. Emotionally, it gives you a breather. Emotionally, it gives you almost like a distraction where you're doing something you don't normally do. And emotionally, it can fill your tank. Number three, a third reason why you want to give out of the ordinary is when you give out of the ordinary to help others, what you're doing, you're making a difference in the life of someone else. You're shining a light for Jesus. And that always is a great thing. That always feels good. So here's a question today. In this season of life, how much are you giving in a way that's out of the ordinary? to help others? How much are you doing something that's outside of your regular routine to help other people? I know it's a crazy time. I know that almost like we're kind of come to a new normal where we don't even really know what our routine is, but can I encourage you is in this time, don't just be kind of huddled together and just, I'm just going to protect myself. I'm just going to take care of myself. And it's all this, it's all about surviving myself. No, if you, if you want to do that and all you're focused on is yourself, you're going to be very stressed, very frustrated, very worried. But if you would learn to step outside of yourself, I don't mean be unwise and don't be careful and don't take care of yourself. No, take care of yourself but you also want to have an eye toward helping others in a way that's out of the ordinary. Because when you do so, it actually helps you to manage stress in addition to helping the other person. Look at Proverbs 11.25 with me. In the NLT version, what does it say? It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See, when, when we are generous, when we will give in ways that are out of the ordinary, it actually doesn't just refresh the person that we're giving to, it actually refreshes ourselves. It's a way to reduce and manage your stress. That's what Jesus did. Look at Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 15 with me. What does it say? It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food themselves, for, buy themselves some food. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, the answer. See, they're just focused on what they don't have. And they're just complaining. Jesus says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Attitude of gratitude. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. He involved others. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. See what goes, what's happening here. Jesus is encouraging his disciples to get out of their comfort zone. And say, instead of just focusing on yourselves, why don't you look up and look at the people around you? And I know it's a stressful time. 
but could I ask you to give in a way that's out of the ordinary to help someone else? And when they did, not only were they able to help so many people beyond their imagination, they had basketfuls left over. Each disciple who thought they didn't have enough for themselves went away with 12 basketfuls of leftovers because they first gave to God and said, I'm going to give in a way that's out of the ordinary. If you believe that, say amen. And see, with that in mind, Jesus is talking to disciples here today. He's talking to followers of Jesus today. And he's saying to you watching right now, would you in this season give in a way that is out of the ordinary to help someone else? Would you do that? Because when you do that, not only are you going to help that other person, not only are you going to refresh that person, but the fact is that the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so with that in mind, I want to give you a piece of homework today. Is that okay? Give you some homework today? The homework is this. This coming week, on at least two or three occasions, I'd like you to go out of your way to help someone that you don't normally live with. Go out of your way on at least two or three times this coming week. Go out of your way to help someone in a way that is not ordinary for you. And maybe it's to send a text to someone you haven't seen in a long time. And just say, ask, hey, just checking in to see how you're doing in this time. Maybe it's sending food to someone in your neighborhood that doesn't have time to cook for themselves. Whatever it might be, I encourage you to be creative. But two or three times this coming week, would you do that, church? Is that this coming week, find two or three times where you can step outside of what you normally do. Step outside of whatever routine you're trying to build and do something good for someone else. And in so doing, I guarantee you, you're not just going to refresh them. You're going to refresh yourself as well. It's about managing your stress too. And you might be, well, JB, what can I do? So many problems out there and there's just one little me. You know, a few weeks ago, I was feeling that as well. I felt like there's so much I want to do, and I feel like there's so little I can do. And what I've learned is this. Doing something is so much better than doing nothing. Do something because it's so much better than doing nothing. Do something, and God will use it. In fact, one of the biggest lessons of Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, is that that when you give the little that you have to God— the little that you think you have to God, God can do much with it. When you give the little that you have to God, God can feed a multitude with it far beyond all you'd ask for or imagine because God is able to do so. If you believe it, say amen. And see, when we give in ways that are out of the ordinary, we give God room to work in extraordinary ways in our lives and the lives of other people. And so with that in mind, you know, if you're trying to think, what else can I do? What else can I do? How else can I help? Well, today, let me just end by talking about one thing that we plan to do as a church together. And this is it. Starting today and over the next two weeks until Easter Sunday, April the 12th, we plan to partner with an amazing charity called Backpack Buddies. And for more on what Backpack Buddies does, Backpack Buddies is, is, is an amazing organization that is all about feeding hungry children. And usually it's, you know, on the weekends for kids living in poverty that they are providing meals for them. But with the COVID-19 crisis, it's gotten a lot worse where these kids don't have food, not just on the weekend, but throughout the week. And we want to take a time to, 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 to take a moment, take this opportunity to make a difference in this season. We're actually planning on partnering with Backpack Buddies long before the COVID-19 crisis hit. But when the COVID-19 crisis hit, it was one of those signals to us to go, you know, we, this is the time to do something. They were even in the news, and, and we're like, you know, we got to do something. And so with that in mind, why don't you check out this video with me right now of what Backpack Buddies does for more info. And we're going to talk about what we're going to do together as a church. Check this out with me together right now. 
Let the first sound you hear be a beating heart, speeding bright, speeding bold. Mm. The mission of Backpack Buddies is to address the weekend hunger gap faced by children who rely on school meal programs Monday through Friday. We seek to target children who are dependent upon the hot meal programs at their schools and often go home on the weekends with little or nothing to eat. Backpack Buddies really is like a savior. It's almost a life-changing thing just because we can do things we wouldn't be normally doing because we have that little bit to make it by, to, to get what you need because it's, it's a tough life and it's it's expensive life. We address the gap by providing actual physical backpacks of food. Each bag of food that we deliver has six meals, two breakfasts, two lunch, two dinner, and fresh fruit and snacks. So taking care of everything that they need so when they come to school Monday morning, they're ready to learn. I like the Backpack Buddies program just because it's geared towards the kids they appreciate it because it's something different, not something that I would normally buy. The more that we're out there, the more schools we're in, the more kids we're feeding, the more need actually becomes apparent. We think that we're making progress and then we get more schools knocking and there's just, there's so much more out there and more children that we're not able to tap into yet and that's what we're striving to do. Food security impacts our families quite strongly. There are lots of kids who come to school and just gorge at lunchtime on our hot lunch program. They just like pile food onto their plate and eat it because they're fearful of hunger later. It shouldn't be like that. Rent is, I'd say, at least half of what we make. And then the rest is bills and food. We try really hard to make things as cheap as possible, I guess. Days where you have fish and rice for dinner because there's not enough money for vegetables or there's, you know. So 2018-2019 for Backpack Buddies was just, we saw a year of unprecedented growth. We grew from 30 recipient schools to 48, and in total we were working in 68 different schools all across Metro Vancouver. Almost every week we're getting calls from new districts that need our program. Backpack Buddies helps my school. Backpack Buddies helps my school. Backpack Buddies helps my school. With just $10, we can fill the weekend hunger gap for a child right here in the community. Please consider donating. Isn't that some amazing work that they do here, right in Greater Vancouver, Backpack Buddies? And let me tell you a story really quick, is when we met with the founders of Backpack Buddies uh, just a couple months ago, and they told us a little about their history. You know the reason why they call themselves Backpack Buddies uh, is because when they first started, what they would do is they would give food to hungry children that they could take for the weekend. And what they do is they put the food in the backpack, 
And so you just imagine, you know, a hungry child, you know, going to school Friday, and they get to pick up a backpack with food for them that they could take home with them. And that's why they're called backpack buddies. And as the, the as as this organization has, you know, started to feed more and more more hungry children, we don't use backpacks anymore per se. They're more like bags. But it's just for me a, such a touching thing that there are. People, there are children in greater Vancouver who are going hungry. They say that the child poverty rate is highest in BC as compared to every other province and territory in Canada. And so there are people right at our doorstep, people right within the very region where we live who are going hungry, children. And we want to be part of making a difference. We want to be part of giving toward that cause. And so I want to tell you guys, I want to challenge all of us here at Thrive Church with this very special goal for Easter is that our goal at Thrive is that by Easter Sunday, April the 12th, we want to raise $5,000 to help Backpack Buddies feed children in poverty in Greater Vancouver. $5,000. They say that every backpack of food costs probably in between maybe $10 to $15. And so if we are raising $5,000, that means that we're going to help close to 500 hungry kids in our city and give them meals so that they won't go hungry, not just on the weekends, but during this COVID-19 crisis, during the week as well. Isn't that an amazing cause? And we just consider it an honor and a joy that we as a church can partner with Backpack Buddies during this time. And so can I encourage you, especially in a time like this, don't just focus on yourself, but let's give in ways that are out of the ordinary to help others. Because in doing so, not only are we going to refresh them, we're going to refresh ourselves as well. If you believe that, say amen. And see, why don't you go to mythrive.info slash backpack, and there you can give your donation. Our goal is that by Easter Sunday, April the 12th, that we will have raised over $5,000 to help Backpack Buddies feed hungry children in greater Vancouver. And so with that in mind, let me just end with this. When you give in a way that is out of the ordinary to help other people, what you're doing, not only are you refreshing others, not only are you refreshing yourself, you're doing one more thing. You're following in the footsteps of Jesus. You're doing what Jesus has done and what Jesus continues to do. You see, when we were separated from God because of our sin, when we had no way of reaching God on our own, when we had each turned to our own way instead of doing things God's way, when our sins separate us from God, God didn't abandon us. He didn't divorce us. He didn't say, I've had it with you. Instead, what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the highest price so that we could be forgiven. Jesus gave in an extraordinary way when he died on the cross for our sins so that you and I could know a forgiveness that we could not earn, so that we could have a peace that the world cannot give. And when we open up our heart to Jesus, we receive the most amazing peace that Nothing you will find in the news will give you. Nothing that you find on your phone will give you. Is that Jesus comes to give out of the ordinary to refresh us. And we want to fall in his footsteps as we get ready for Easter. If you believe that, say amen. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite Silas to come up and he's going to lead us in a song. Let's take this moment to worship God together through song. And let's give this time to God. After that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer is let's give our very best to God. Let's put our attention on him because Jesus Christ loves us with an incredible, unchanging, everlasting, unlimited love that never fails. Let's respond to God with all that we are today. Let's give our very best to him right now. You are the word that 
forgiveness for sin, maybe something you said this morning, maybe something you did last night, or maybe something in your past that has never really gotten away from you, and you realize that you need that forgiveness, I'm here to tell you that God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, and to show that you can trust what Jesus says. Not only did Jesus die for you on the cross, but he also rose again from the grave to show that neither sin nor death have any hold over him. And the Bible says that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be forgiven of our sins. And so if you're here today and you realize you need forgiveness from God for sin in your life, 
I want to invite you to pray a prayer that's simply about asking God for forgiveness. And because he is so much in love with you and he wants to give you that forgiveness, when you pray this prayer, you can be rested assured that he is going to forgive you of that sin or those sins that you're thinking about right now. And so if you realize you need forgiveness today, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him today. Let the height of your hands just reflect an expression of sincerity on your part to say, God, I want forgiveness from you. I ask for your forgiveness today. Why don't you lift up your hand to God right now, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this service right now. Why don't you lift up your hand to God and say this with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that because of your love, I am chosen, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, and I belong to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You know, according to the Bible, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then the good news is you are forgiven of your sins. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You are someone who's belonging now to the family of God. And it's not because of anything that we did to earn it. It's simply because of the undeserved kindness, the amazing grace of God. And so give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now, church. Come on. And hey, by the way, if you prayed that prayer just now, we have a special gift to give you to encourage you in this brand new relationship with God that you have. If you would text believe, the word believe, to 604-285-5770. We're going to cook you up with a special gift that I think is going to make you smile. It's also going to give you some encouragement as you begin this journey with God. A big congratulations to you. Those of you here who are struggling with managing stress these days, we want to pray for you right now. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you realize today that you need help when it comes to managing stress, and you know that this message is for you today. You realize that you need to manage stress, not just your way, but Jesus' way. And you want to take, into, take to heart and to start applying to your life the things that we've been learning today. Why don't you lift your hand to God right now? Those who need help with stress, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now? Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about anyone else. This is between you and God. If you realize you need help with the stress that you're dealing with right now, why don't you lift your hand to God? And we're going to pray with you and for you right now. Why don't you pray this? Just even from your heart, just in your, and just, just take, just take, you just half a minute, just, just talk, talk to God right now. Just respond to God. Respond to his love. Respond to the word that you heard this morning. Start talking to God from your heart. He's here. He loves you. He's listening. He's for you, not against you. He's with you right now. Just start talking to God. That's it. From your heart. Don't worry about your neighbor. Just start talking to God. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship God right in your circumstance, in the middle of your situation, right in the middle of the boat that you're sitting in right now. Just start worshiping God right now. In the middle of that storm, in the middle of that boat, just start worshiping God right now. He's with you right now. He's with you right now. He's with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Let me say, dear Jesus, I admit that I need help when it comes to managing stress. Thank you for providing the greatest example for me on how to handle the stress in my life. So right now, I open up my heart. Please help me to do like you do, to get alone with God often, 
to have a support network, a small group that I can go to. So I'm not trying to do this by myself. And finally, please help me to give in a way that's out of the ordinary, knowing that when I refresh others, I'm going to be refreshed too. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place? Would you shout so loud that even I can hear you where I am right now? Come on. Give God all of your praise. Give God all of your worship. Give God your thanks today. He's worthy. Amen. Praise God. Let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for an amazing morning we could spend together. To be in your presence. To be with one another as we spend time putting our focus on you. We thank you so much for your amazing love for every single person that's watching this service right now. That you care for them and love them with a personal love. A custom-sized love that's just for them because you love them with an everlasting love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not distant from our pain. You are not distant from our stress, but you are a God who rises to show us compassion. And I pray, Father God, for every single person here who's got their hands lifted, who's got their hearts open, who's going through a stressful storm right now. I pray for them today that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for wisdom from heaven to fill their heart so they would know how to manage their stress and how to handle the situation that's in front of them today. Thank you, Jesus, that because of you, we can do all things. Thank you, Jesus, that your grace is sufficient for us. Thank you that because you died and rose again, that we can say even now, the best is yet to come. And so we pray your blessing, your peace, hope, strength, wisdom, faith, valor, courage to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, one more time. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. Even though I can't see you, I know it because that's just who you are. You're a God's masterpiece. And in response to God's love, can I encourage you? We've talked about giving. Let's give generously to our church. In this time when we're not able to meet for on-site services, you know, we're not passing offering bags anymore. It's not in your face anymore. We have to be proactive. But I hope you love your church just the same. I hope you love your church even more in this season. And can I ask you to go to mythrive.info and if you could give your tithes and your offerings, those of you who call through our church, your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, let's give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so with that in mind, let's give our first portion to God today. Go to mythrive.info and start your online giving. If you've never done it before, it has never been easier to give. And so just do that right now. I'm going to hand the time back to our online host, Marcy. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Stay in touch. See us on Facebook and on Instagram. We'll see you guys really soon. Love you guys. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Have a great week, everybody. See you guys soon. Love you guys. What an awesome message from Pastor JB. I've already started brainstorming ways to bless my friends and neighbors. Let's put our love into real actions, Thrive. All right, before I let you go, I have some announcements for you. If you're new here, please text NEW to Thrive Church at 604-285-5770. We've got a very nice Thrive water bottle just for you. 
If you raised your hand today and received Jesus, congratulations! We're so excited for you and have a special gift for you as well. Simply text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 and your gift is on its way. Easter is right around the corner. What's better than having hope during this season? Start inviting your friends and family to celebrate Easter at Thrive Church online on April 12th, 9.30 and 11.30. It's going to be fun and encouraging. Easter is also a season to give, to practice generosity and to bless our community. Because of COVID-19, tens of thousands of children are going hungry in our communities. As a church, we want to help. We've partnered with Backpack Buddies, a local nonprofit organization that started with a vision to feed the kids in hunger in the greater Vancouver area. For every $15 we're able to provide a bag of food to feed one child, our goal as a church is to raise $5,000 by Easter. There's nothing more meaningful for us to do on Easter than to share Jesus' love and compassion to the people in our community. Let's help. Next Sunday, we'll be having a special moment where we take communion together as we gather in our homes around our screens. Even though we're physically distanced, we believe that God is going to move powerfully as we participate in this act of faith together as a church family. Whether you've just got bread and juice or water and crackers, we'd love for you to join us next Sunday here at Thrive. Last but not least, for all the next steps, sign-ups, and other resources, please visit mythrive.info. That's it, Thrive. I'll see you next week at Thrive Church Online. Bye!